Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Cloudwater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. Picking up where we left off with the Christmas story last week, here are the next verses in Luke 2, but sometimes the part that we don't always hear. So here we go, Luke 2. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, To do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Grace and peace to you, my friends in Christ. What did you notice as that scripture video played out? Anybody else notice the two turtle doves? You know, it might sound like a line in the 12 days of Christmas, and tradition has it that the two turtle doves represent the Old Testament and the New Testament in that song. And we're singing a lot of Christmas carols today. We're singing a lot of these Christmas songs, but we're not singing the 12 days of Christmas. We learned from Christmas caroling last year that it sounds like a great idea, but after about 10 minutes and you're only at like the ninth thing. You're like, why did we choose this? It takes forever because you have to repeat everything over and over again. Uh, So we completely vetoed it from our Christmas caroling playlist this year. But the story of the two turtle doves, it actually goes beyond that verse in the song. It's 
It shows up here in Luke 2, and as Luke states, the, the two turtle doves represent the minimum sacrifice to the Lord that a couple could make as, a present, as their presentation uh, to, to God. And so Mary and Joseph are not of vast wealth, right? They present what is basically stated to them in the law of the Lord. Two turtle doves, two young pigeons, this is what your sacrifice is. There's no shame. They don't feel guilty that this is all that they can give. But then another fascinating thing happens in the story. We hear about Simeon, and we saw Simeon in the marketplace just standing there. And Simeon was told that before he died, he would see the Messiah. And so he approaches these young parents, and he declares that his eyes have now seen God's salvation, and that this child is the light of revelation for the Gentiles and glory for the people of Israel. Simeon isn't waiting for someone to make this big, grand, extravagant sacrifice either to be like, wow, that must be the one that we've been waiting for. He recognizes Jesus and Jesus in that humility for who he is. And then Mary and Joseph are amazed at what Simeon has to say, which I think might sound a bit contradictory, especially when we think about, you know, why were they surprised? Weren't they told? Weren't the angels the ones who told them? And then we've got the shepherds. But it sometimes feels nice to have an outside affirmation. It feels good to be told that your kid is special. I think we can understand how that feeling is. The pride of knowing your child is doing something that receives a compliment or doing something. That, that often provides a great feeling. But why would Simeon specifically call out Jesus? Because this is truly a big deal. As Luke will write... The meaning of this passage isn't so much about being an autobiographical account of what happens. You know, this is not trying to give us every last detail. It's actually giving us a theological understanding for Luke's audience. So if you're reading this, whether you were born a Jew or a Gentile, this Messiah is for you. Uh, New Testament scholar Stephen Hultgren writes that the presentation in Jerusalem is motivated by a very specific requirement of the law of Moses. And so going all the way back to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus 12, after a woman gives birth to a son, she's impure for 40 days. And then at the end of that period, she is to bring an offering to the temple, which the priest offers as a a sacrifice, which affects her purification. And then according to Numbers 3, the redemption involved the payment of five shekels to the priesthood. However, according to another tradition in the book of Numbers, the tribe of the Levites takes the place of that firstborn sons of Israel as the Lord's possession. And we'll see this kind of all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, the biblical notion then of redemption includes the idea that the firstborn son now belongs to God, belongs to the Lord in a special way and is dedicated to serve him. And so in many ways, you can see how this dedication and blessing of Jesus in this moment is setting him up for this life of service to the Heavenly Father. It's, it's setting him up to be able to be our teacher, the one that we learn from. Uh, the way Luke tells the story shows that this was meant to be even in this very beginning stage of his life. I'm struck by the way, however, that Simeon and Anna factor into this story because we don't hear from them ever again. They aren't major characters. And I don't think Jesus is frequently reminded as he's growing up of, oh, remember Simeon and Anna uh, when you were a little baby. But the ways that he's lifted up are very, are very affirming. It, it's a way of lifting him up at a young age to be able to see that he's going to be able to do something pretty special. 
I think about the ways that we lift each other up and maybe the ways that we lift up and affirm others. It can matter. It can really make a difference in someone's life. I remember when I was a teenager, there was a retired pastor at my church, Pastor Ed, and, and he was just a sweet man, and he was always, you know, he, he was always kind of looking out for me, uh, but he told me something I didn't want to hear. Pastor Ed, almost every Sunday, he would look at me and say, oh, John, you're, you're going to be a fine pastor someday. And I said, thanks, Ed. Ed, no. <laughs> I said, I said, no, Ed, that is not what I'm planning on being. I, I don't want anything to do with that. And Ed just continued to, to say that that's what he, he thought I was going to be. And for the longest time, I always thought it was because my dad was the pastor. And I thought it was, well, that, that's what he, my dad is, so that's what, what Ed is suggesting I should do. And it didn't register with me until much later that that my dad had nothing, I mean, not nothing, but my, it wasn't about him. It was actually about what Ed was able to recognize in me and some of the gifts that he saw in me, some of the ways that I would, would serve and care for others, that he was lifting up those gifts of ministry. And I was aware as I grew up that some of those words of encouragement could actually really go a long ways as we speak to other youth, how we talk to kids and say, when we lift them up and affirm them, those gifts aren't necessarily a prophetic sign of what we think they're getting, that they're going to become, but it's a way of lifting up the things that they're doing well. I knew that when I was a kid that God was, was certainly working in my life and that I would be able to do things that God had called me to do. That didn't mean that I was discerning pastoral ministry at that time, but those seeds were certainly planted but I think about some of the kids and some of the people that we might be around. And, and maybe in the last week or two, you've been around different kids or you've been di- around different people in your family. You've been gathered together. Have you seen people and thought to yourself, man, this, this person has a certain special gift or this person's got something that, that's really unique. And then did you take a chance to stop and say and lift that up and encourage that and affirm that? Think about what happens when you compliment someone or lift them up. And something that maybe they don't want to be embarrassed in front of others, but it's a way to, to, to point that out and, and say, hey, that's really amazing what you're doing. And, and tell me more about why you enjoy doing that. I think it can certainly boost their self-esteem and their self-worth. Telling a young grandchild or a cousin or a neighbor that they're gifted in a skill, maybe it's sports or music or academics, could just be that subtle encouragement that they need to hear. Being honest with someone about where you see their gifts and their talents is something that we might take for granted. But it can help plant the seeds that will help fertilize this this, uh, spirit of Christ within them and something that could certainly spring forth in years to come. We see this with Simeon. We also see it with Anna. Why would Anna start all of a sudden praising God and telling everyone that comes who's seeking redemption to look to this child? Why would she care? You know, no one's telling her to do this. But Anna trusts the Spirit. She believes and she knows that something special is happening. You see, the two of them are messengers. Much like the shepherds were messengers of God, much like the angels, much like the magi. They're messengers of the salvation and redemption that is to come through Jesus. Simeon gets a glimpse of that salvation that one day the whole world will see that the forgiveness of sins and deliverance from eternal uh, death and that this ultimate meaning of Christmas comes through the incarnation of the Son of God.
at, at this Christmas time. Why do they proclaim the good news? What makes them do it? Because through Jesus, they see hope. They see the promise of the, of the future. So why do we proclaim the good news? It's because we see the hope too. Because we see the hope in the generations to come that they have an opportunity to continue to make the world an even better place. So today, now on the sixth day of Christmas, our true love, Jesus, gives to us more than six geese a lane. We are actually given the gift to affirm and to bless others. Take that gift seriously today. Tell someone that they're special. Maybe send somebody a text and tell them, you know, someone that you haven't heard from in a while and just tell them you're thinking about them and ask them how they're doing. Give a relative a call and say, hey, I just want to talk. I just want to hear how you're doing. Go for a walk in the winter wonderland this afternoon and maybe see a neighbor and stop and ask them how their Christmas was. Just as Simeon and Anna affirm the call of Christ, may Christ affirm the call in each and every one of us to be those messengers of God, to deliver that message of good news and hope to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.